friends and enemies, welcome to the Progress Report. I am your host, Duncan Kinney, recording today here in Amiskwichiwa Sky again, otherwise known as Edmonton, Alberta, here in Treaty 6 territory on the banks of the mighty Kasiskasawanisipi, or the North Saskatchewan River. Joining us today is Peter Smith, a researcher and reporter with the Canadian Anti-Hate Network, who has been covering the ongoing uh, protests uh, against all-ages drag shows that are happening really across the country, but have really been uh, localized in Calgary over the past couple of weeks. And this is where kind of Christo-fascist right-wingers have harassed and protest the the, the uh, participants and the people who show up to these all-ages drag shows. And uh, yeah, it's it's really awful. It's like, you know, fascism on our streets. And I'm grateful that Peter Smith is here today to talk to us about it. How are you doing, Peter? Good, good, Duck. And the world's on fire, but it, it's nice to finally be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the pod. First time guest. Um, yeah. I mean, you're, you're covering this issue across Canada. The Canadian Anti-Hate Network keeps an eye on this kind of activity, you know, across the country. But your attention has really been on Alberta and specifically Calgary for the past few weeks, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like you've said, it's it's kind of a phenomenon that is happening across uh, North America, across the, the UK is having them. Um, but yeah, here in Canada, specifically, it seems like Alberta and and specifically Calgary has been very active as far as uh, protests to drag events, um, as well as just anything that could be broadly construed as relating to transgender people, transgender identity. Uh, is being kind of pulled in by the gravity of this thing. Mm-hmm. And specifically what we're talking about here is is protests by folks like outside of family-friendly drag events. Uh, you know, these are often held in libraries or other public spaces. You know, the parents and the guardians are present. And these are kind of framed by the fash, you know, as grooming events, you know, where kids are victims of abuse, pedophilia, or sorts of other scary things. But, but Peter, just for my own edification, you know, what actually happens at these events if, you know, they're not being interrupted by uh, middle-aged fucking losers pulling fire alarms or bursting in screaming about repenting for your sins? Um, So I'm based, I'm based in Ontario and I've managed to attend a few of the ones that have happened kind of uh, in my area. Um, And, you know, this might shock you, uh, but it is a child's event where a person, in my experience, has donned kind of an excessive amount of clothing, um, usually a, like a bright, frilly dress or kind of extravagant costume. And then, and this is the part that's really going to fuck you up. They read children's stories, sings children's songs, and sometimes there's even arts and crafts. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really shocking stuff, it sounds like. I mean, as a, as a 36-year-old man, it's not generally how I would spend my, my weekend, my Saturday or my Sunday. Um, but you know, the kids, the kids seem to enjoy it. I mean, if someone's going to read to my kid, brilliant, you know, uh, and if I just, all I have to do is go to a library. Great. Um, but okay. So that's the kind of what's happening. It's the kind of like structure of it all. How many of these events have been shut down in Calgary because of the, because of these protests and what kind of tactics are they using? Um, so I, I wouldn't be able to give you an exact number because this type of, uh, opposition has been going on for a little while. I can certainly say that in the past week or two, I've counted three or four specifically that have been canceled. Mm-hmm. Um, there, was, there was a big outdoor one planned for Olympic Plaza that I remember hearing about Chinook Blast or whatever. 
Yeah, so Chinook Blast was one. There was another uh, one that was a drag brunch as opposed to a, a story reading. Um, and then the other one I wasn't able to identify. That that cancellation number comes from somebody else we're going to talk about later in the episode, I assume. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also don't, don't doubt it. Um, I think that there is a fatigue when it comes to, to venues hosting these events that they, they are very supportive, especially libraries. Like they, they are very supportive of building inclusivity, having a home for all types of people. Um, but as, as protests intensify and become more consistent and then, uh, you know, in some cases when you have a grown man running around inside, um, you know they had they have to start to worry about individuals' safety, and you know I'm I'm not suggesting they do one thing or another. I certainly like that a lot of these events have gone forward, um, but I think that there's there's a real difficulty in that balance um, when it comes to their tactics. There's kind of a particular pattern that I've observed. Uh, I don't think this is particularly groundbreaking, but um, I haven't heard it really laid out. Uh, so drag events will be announced publicly. Um, the ones I tend to focus on most are the family-friendly ones. These are ones that are specifically geared towards children. They happen, like you said, mostly in libraries. Um, some all-ages events are, are a little different. It is like with parental discretion. They take place in venues that serve alcohol. Um, but one of these events will come to the attention of the opposition. Uh, they'll take note, and it it spreads in private groups or semi-public spaces more than kind of overtly in the open. You know, it'll get shared around in DMs, group chats, um, you know, the kind of rooms of, of Telegram will start to pick them up and uh, closed Facebook groups. And they'll they'll share them within their their networks. Um, so, you know, if, if you're in, anybody who uses Facebook <clears throat> kind of knows how easy it is to just amass a, a whole collection of like a Neapolitan of different groups that you're a part of. Um, and you cross-share those. The information spreads kind of very naturally, grassrootsly, and they'll start to specifically by targeting the venue at first. You'll get calls, emails, um, normal types of kind of uh, grassroots advocacy. You know, telling people, you know, this is where it diverges from other types of of like useful protest or useful objection. Um, you know, it cites by calling this evil conflating a drag performance explicitly with transgender identity, which is not always the case. Um, And then, you know, within these groups is the kind of offense begins to foment. Um, Sometimes they'll also start to look at the drag performers, you know, who are are human beings. Um, They have other interests besides just the performance that they do. Um, And anything that could be construed as adult or inappropriate is also kind of blasted around some organizations like Act Act. Uh, some organizations like Action for Canada, um, you know, in the past have even put together videos like uh, clips, like clips that show the kind of bad actions of the people who are organizing these events, which in most cases is like fairly tame and innocent, um, and just kind of reduced to this uh, kind of pearl clutching talking points. And then from there, if they can't get the uh, performer to drop out and they can't get the venue to cancel, then the protest will happen. And that's your usual, like, we'll show up with signs and a bullhorn and like, you know, yell at you as you come in kind of thing. And, and if something like that happens, usually a counter protest has gotten set up as well. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So there's been a large kind of 
upswelling of counter protests, which has been incredible to see. Like I think we spent the past three years, um, you know, kind of getting our ass kicked. Like we had incredibly active and large uh, COVID restriction street movements. Um, you know, heavily motivated by conspiracy. There was obviously the the blockade protests along the, the border and in Ottawa. Yeah, the the Freedom Convoy, as it's called. Um, and you know these were these were really galvanizing events that different people, different like similar but uh, conflating ideologies, were able to come together um, under this kind of united issue. And that has always been where I mean, where most protest movements find their success. But in the far right, con- in the far right in Canada, um, they've always had particular success taking a large blanket issue and fitting as many things kind of under that canopy as they can. And speaking of these counter protests, weren't uh wasn't there two teens in Calgary who were charged with some like bylaw bullshit for during a counter protest? Uh, what what exactly happened there and what did what did uh Canadian Anti-Hate Network do to kind of like put some pressure on the police there? Yeah, so two teens were leaving a protest. I think it was about a pool um pool bathroom usage. Um I th- one of them had a megaphone as as they were leaving, you know, with their mom. I believe they were pulled over um, and given given bylaw infractions for fairly fairly sizable amounts um, for using amplified sound, which I mean mm. is illegal. It's a very common charge to receive as a protester, um, but obviously the targeting of two individuals from one side um, with none that we're aware of. Um, being issued to the other side is is a problem, um, and obviously we support what the kids are out there to do. Um, so yeah, we put together a petition asking people to sign and kind of advocate to have these charges dropped by uh, by the city. I know that there was a huge amount of groundswelling of support from within Calgary as well, like much more important than um, you know an NGO uh, is is the local support. Um, and yeah, it was. I was happy to say that that uh, that resulted in those those charges being dropped, um, and uh, yeah, hopefully those kids will be will be out again at some point. Yeah, I mean, just some unsolicited advice for uh, you know Calgary Police, Calgary Bylaw. Yeah, like don't charge literal children <laughs> with bylaw infractions at a counter protest uh, when like the fascists are on the other side. Um, so we've talked about Calgary for a bit. It's not. It hasn't just been contained to Calgary, though. Uh, there was a recent event in Grand Prairie that was, you know, some people attempted to disrupt it by pulling the fire alarm, and uh, turns out like they were unsuccessful. Sounds like the counter protest was legit, and the coverage of this from the the Grand Prairie Daily Herald Tribune is actually quite good. I'm just going to read from this story. Um, "Quote: Grand Prairie RCMP are looking for a man who pulled the fire alarm without." cause during a January 24th Family Literacy Week event, reading with drag queen Tiffany as part of an ongoing protest trend across the country by some Freedom Convoy members and supporters. The reading event was planned in advance by Grand Prairie Public Library's head of children's services, Bailey Randolph, and not long after publicizing the event, she started getting harassing phone calls and emails, just like you were discussing, Peter. Uh, But the, the library, to their credit, were unbowed. They put on the event. Um, counter protesters came out, but according to, you know, like parents and people who talked to the media, there was 10 times more people there than there were protesters, uh, which is very encouraging. 
Um, but yeah, some loser like stepped in, tried to pull the fire alarm, tried to get everyone to leave. I think only a handful of people did according to this release or according to this media story. Um, you know, which is quite serious. Like if you have a bunch of children, like stampeding towards the exits, uh, Oh yeah. Bad things could have happened there. There are, there are live streams of the event that are, that are still up, um, that I, I didn't watch actually until, uh, this recent story had come out about the um, about the chart or the searching for this man, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it, it is nice like how it it didn't cause a panic. Um, you know, nobody was was really freaking out. I think that there was, you know, some suspicion that what it might be related to when it happened. Um, but obviously, you want people to react uh, calmly, but you know, swiftly to a fire alarm and. It is kind of an incredibly t- childish tactic in which to to usher people outside of a building. Uh, it's certainly not the only thing like this. Uh, here in Ontario, there was a much more serious incident where before a library had one of these events, uh, an individual made their way onto the roof and attempted to start a fire. Um, while up there, the, the library manager told me that she suspected that this was to trigger the fire alarm or the, the sprinkler system and kind of damage the contents of the library. Um, but it, it didn't result in anything like the, the fire never spread or I, I never got the full details on that, but essentially like a fire was started on the roof. Uh, it didn't make it much further than that. And the event still did go on during the event. There was bomb threats. Um, you know, obviously people are, are concerned um, of when this behavior starts coming out. And that's, that's what I mean about, this balance. It's, it's not, we're constantly told that we're not willing to engage in fair debate. Um, when we advocate for the rights of like existence of trans people or just people in drag to be treated like normal human beings. Um, and then these are the kind of common tactics of harassment. And, um, I certainly don't want to say lighting, attempting to light libraries on fire is a common tactic, but uh, it is kind of indicative of the harassment that tends to go on kind of around these events. It is one that happened, and you're right to mention it. Um, it at the Grand Prairie uh, protest, uh, Elliot McDavid features prominently in the footage. You write, you might remember Elliot McDavid as the dude who like cursed out uh, Christian Freeland in a library, right. or not a library, in an elevator at Grand Prairie City Hall. Um, you know, saying all sorts of insane shit. He was also quoted heavily in like Western Standard. <laughs> Uh, and rebel coverage of the event. He knows um, how to get headlines. That's for sure. Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And um, and the picture that's included with this story is also really encouraging. Like literally the kids and the parents are like jammed into this building. They are full. Uh, and like, and then you go to the, you, you go outside and it's like, it's like 12 fucking losers in hoodies outside. Well, that, um, that's certainly been like such a heartening thing is, is the response, um, is, is the support, like the counter protest action, which is not, you know, violent or hostile. Um, you know, there's certainly been some very chippy moments, but generally the, the goal here is to kind of create just a, a wall that makes it so parents and children, especially and performers can come to and from the venue um, without being harassed. Uh, in instances where there's kind of been like a even division of space, um, you know, with counter protesters on one side, protests on the other, 
you know, the, the type of language that is hurled at, at people going to a family event, you know, in public spaces is, is quite vile. Yeah. And, you know, this, this event in Grand Prairie was in January, but just recently, like just last weekend in Calgary, there was, you know, this type of thing is, is escalated once more. Can you tell me about what happened uh, just this past weekend in Calgary? Right. Um, so there was a storybook reading at, I believe, the Seton Library in Calgary. Um, there had been a planned opposition before it. Like, I, like we had said before, there's this kind of pattern of, um, you know, staking out these things in advance, putting pressure on the library. You know, that, that hadn't worked. Um, so an individual that I only kind of became familiar with around the end of January as well, uh, Derek Reamer, um, he, he runs a kind of advocacy group or a, a mission called Mission 7, you know, heavily related to ideas of uh, like literal, very literal interpretations of the Bible, um, literal but selective, of course, and um, various types of Christian nationalism. His, his group, according to him, because I, I reached him when I wrote the article and asked him for comment, according to him, they got three people into the room ahead of time where this thing was taking place. It was originally planned to be in like a main area, but because of the response, the library had kind of put them into a, a reading room or a, a conference room of some kind. Um, and speaking to parents who were also in attendance and then watching the videos, I guess one by one, these people kind of revealed themselves. At first it was a woman who was, you know, talking about their need to repent and, um, what followed that, there was another individual who I, I believe was identified, I don't have his name in front of me right now, um, who also got quite vocal about what was going on. And then the third and kind of final brick to fall was, was Derek himself. Um, and that was all captured on video. Uh, from, the in, from the video that was taken inside, you know, he's, it starts once he's already begun his rant, but he's yelling at children, he's yelling at parents, um, yeah, you know, they're trying full of children with like a grown man kind of like screaming at them. Yes. Yeah. More or less. Like, obviously it is also filled with parents and that's another thing. It is constantly claimed when you talk to protesters that these events are, the parents aren't sure what's going on and there's no parents allowed. It's like, that is not <laughs> the case. The room is filled with different parents who had up until then, I guess, kind of just guided the people who had gotten up to make noise to the door. But, uh, yeah, Derek was moving around quite a bit. He's kind of chucking and jiving and dodging parents. And then eventually they do start to pull him. Like he's ignoring library staff instructions to leave. Um, and yeah, they they start to pull him towards the door. Um, you know, he's very kind of aggressively shoved out at one point. He falls as he gets like kind of through the door frame. When I spoke to him, he said that he he banged his chin or he banged his his head in some way that he felt was quite significant. Um, I think you yeah, he, can see it a l little yeah, bit on the like, video. He got like uncle Phil out of the room, right? Like, like uncle Phil throwing jazz out of his house. Like you got kind of like, get the fuck out out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quite a bit. And, um, uh, and yeah. And then he got fucking let out eventually left. And well, he, that's the other thing is he proceeds to stand up. He's obviously not hurt that badly because he gets up and continues to kind of proselytize, shout at people, Parents inside the room said that they were, once he was ejected, you couldn't really hear him. 
Um, but they had these huge windows and he's going through shouting and yelling at them. Um, you know, a lot of the kids took no notice, you know, other ones were quite upset. Yeah. Something that a definitely, uh, like a normal person would do is just like go into a room full of children and start yelling at them and yelling at their parents. Um, I mean, so, it's tempting, but we don't act on those feelings. <laughs> so, so it's very funny. So this, this got a bit of attention from the kind of like right-wing media ecosphere. Uh, Ezra Levant went on the Tucker Carlson show to talk about this arrest, or sorry, to talk about this event after Reamer got arrested. Um, you know, uh, this week, uh, Reimer did in fact, uh, was charged with CPS for causing a disturbance and something else and some other criminal charge. And actually just before the, uh, we were set to record, we got, I got a release from the city of Calgary that he had also been charged with six counts of harassment under the, under the, the Calgary community public spaces bylaw. And each charge of harassment has a fine, a possible fine, a maximum fine of $10,000. So it looks like some, some consequences for Derek Reimer's actions are kind of coming his way, but I think it's, it's also worth, just taking you know ninety seconds to listen to Tucker Carlson get the vapors uh, about this this event in Calgary. Here we go. But in Canada, of course, that's all disappeared. Canada has now become an atheist totalitarian state with amazing speed. And in Canada, it's now a crime to object to sexualized drag shows for children. You're not allowed to say a word. Late last month's month, a pastor in Calgary was violently throw, thrown out of an all-ages notice for children drag queen story hour for daring to object to the sexualization of children. That in Canada, showing any disloyalty at all to the Trudeau government could get your bank account frozen and your truck seized. So maybe you're not surprised to learn that that man on the ground, whose name is Pastor Derek Reamer, who showed profound disrespect for Justin Trudeau's ongoing efforts to sexualize children and mutilate the genitals of children, woke up yesterday to the police banging on his door and telling him he was going to be arrested. That doesn't like the Canada you thought you knew. All Molson and sled dogs or some stormtrooper in sunglasses won't answer a question before you provide your ID. And then the pastor sitting in a car with bars on the windows, getting hauled away to jail for being thrown to the ground at Drag Queen Story Hour. We're going to be joined by Pastor Derek Bremer tonight, but he is, of course, in jail. So instead, we are grateful to be joined by Ezra Levant of Rebel News, which filmed the tape you just saw. Ezra, thank you so much for coming on. It's hard to believe that this is happening uh, in your country. Meta question first, is anyone saying anything about it other than you? I, I say this as one of the few Americans I know really who sincerely loves Canada, and I mean that. But it does seem like darkness is descending on your country. <laughs> wow. I love Canada, but it is an atheist uh, hellscape covered in darkness. It is an atheist, communist, totalitarian ship, totalitarian country <laughs> where a darkness is falling on it. But I love it. It's, I, I say this with, with, with love in my heart. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. I mean, like we talked about this a bit before the show. You know, there is a bit of a pattern, um, certainly with, with religious figures like uh, Pastor Art Pulowski. Um, you know, during his various kind of legal troubles, um, being lionized, not just within the American right, but also, you know, Tucker Carlson, Carlson quite specifically, taking up that cause. Uh, it is it is kind of interesting what they choose to grab onto. I, I can't imagine any scenario um, that would involve kind of a, a left-leaning person or like whatever type of person that they find objectionable 
yelling at a children's event that wouldn't be met with swift action. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's not the point, right? I mean, the, the point is to cast themselves as the victim. The point is to say, oh my God, things are getting terrible. Things are the worst. But I think it's time to take a step back from the ridiculous Tucker Carlson hyperbole. Uh, and, and just, I, I have a couple of questions about like, who are these people that are showing up to these protests? And like, what are their political goals? And like, what do they identify as? Um, so it can be fairly broad. Like generally, there is a religious aspect. There is a, a biblical aspect. It certainly doesn't mean that Christianity has like a a monopoly on on transphobia on homophobia. Um, but in Canada, the the organizing against this is generally uh, informed by kind of Christian nationalist beliefs. It is a lot of the same people, same figures that we saw from earlier protests like the COVID one, but going back even further than that, like yellow vests, um, kind of the movement against M103, the non-binding motion on Islamophobia or against Islamophobia. Um, You know, with each kind of iteration, we get new figures as other ones kind of get dropped off or disappear. Um, And then, you know, a returning of the old, like COVID protests, and now these drag protests not only attract these like very, um, very fundamentalist Christian like uh, evangelical beliefs, but also um, just anybody who has kind of been in the far right. One of the most interesting things is that, <coughs> excuse me, one of the most interesting things is that drag queen drag queen story hour and kind of associated uh, comedy around it. Has I've seen it the most in like really hardcore neo-Nazi spaces. Um, I don't know if they were the first ones to take up this issue, but uh, a lot of the propaganda that you see around it, you know, this these handful of videos that do show what seem like to be very inappropriate events that children attended, um, but are not reflective in any way of any one of these shows that I've been to um, here in Canada or that I've seen footage of um, that have been protested. Um, you know, a lot of these have origins and very, very far to the right, like radical right spaces, um, that are beyond the pale of what even individuals like Mr. Remner believe. Well, and if anyone's keeping track of kind of neo-Nazis in this country, it, it is, you know, the Canadian anti-hate network. Are there any document instances of neo-Nazis being at these kind of drag queen story hour protests? Well, I'm happy you mentioned that, Duncan. Yes, there are. Um, specifically in uh, Calgary, not this most recent one, but I believe it was last week or the week before, um, during a protest where uh, Derek Remner was giving a speech, just behind him was a man um, named Jason Harley, who has been a longtime member of numerous uh, neo-Nazi organizations. Like he was a member of the Aryan Guard in the early 2000s. Now he's a member of uh, WLM, which is the White Lives Matter movement, uh, which is a, another fun little organization that has taken the language of social justice and uh, repurposed it. It's uh, decentralized, so it has chapters throughout Canada, throughout uh, the US, throughout Europe, uh, without really having central leadership. But one of the common features is that as much as they will sometimes claim that this is just about um you know, preventing discrimination against white people due to changing demographics. When you talk to them, when you're in their spaces, it is uh, 
openly support for openly supportive of national socialism, openly supportive of um, some of the most radical and insane conspiracy theories about Jewish people, um, and of course anti-blackness, anti-LGBTQ. Um, you know, there, there's really kind of no end to that. Um, there have been several attempts at protests, again, within Calgary by WLM, by another very closely married organization called the Active Club, which is like a kind of whites only workout, again, decentralized movement um, that here in Canada, uh, my reporting uncovered that it was a recruiting front for the Hammerskin Nation or the Vinland Hammerskins, who is the Canadian iteration. Um, so various members associated with that kind of white power gang, like this very old skinhead group that is believed to be the largest white nationalist organization in the planet. Um, they're like essentially involved in the DNA of the active clubs. Um, so they've showed up to protest in Alberta. And I think the Ontario chapter um, did something as well. So as much as I don't think that we can say that most of this movement is made up of neo-Nazis, um, they're certainly present. They're certainly interested. And a lot of times when it comes to the propaganda, they're driving it. Yeah, I think that's an important point to remind ourselves of is that like, you know, is every person who shows up to these things, you know, a neo-Nazi with a swastika tattoo over their heart? You know, no. Well, I, I try to be like specific with that phrase. Like I, I don't begrudge <laughs> people who call others Nazis, um, but certainly like if I'm saying it, especially in my writing, Usually you got to be a guy who thinks Hitler is neat. Like you have to be an actual national socialist. And um, it's not to say that there is, it, it gives a pass or anything to, to Derek no. Remner or any of these people. But um, yeah, I try to use that phrase very specifically. But those forces are both present at these events, like in person, in real life. But Absolutely. I, I think the point you make about the propaganda side of this is, and what they're driving it is incredibly important to remember as well. Like, there is a reason why the far right in North America are targeting trans people, why they're targeting these these uh, drag time story hours, drag queen story hours. You know, they oh, are. A, yeah. It, it is a proven fascist strategy to go after non gender conforming people. And it is exactly what happened in the 1930s in Germany. You know, one of the like premier universities, one of the like biggest repositories of knowledge about trans people was destroyed, you know, by the Nazis in the 1930s. Right. Yeah. The Institute of Sexual Wiesencraft, or, or so I'm pronouncing it wrong, but yeah, like the, the famous footage of the book burnings um, is typically of. Mm -hmm of those, those novels. It's, it's interesting that that was never discussed in, in my history class. Um, but, but yeah, it going after this type of person, going after trans people, going after gender nonconforming people is like, it's a divisive issue. It has a broad appeal along a lot of different types of the far right and even the mainstream right wing. Um, you know, like the convoy was able to kind of latch on to just like, all of the grievance and upset that a lot of people felt over the course of the pandemic, like, um, you know, the yellow vest protest was able to seize on, you know, in a lot of cases, Albertan, but also kind of countrywide um, frustration over Ottawa's policies that impact business, and then was immediately co-opted and used 
to spread other messages. Um, anti-trans and anti-drag advocacy uh, is is just I don't know that's that's their sweet spot. That's the that's the bullseye that they're able to hit all the time. No, it's the Trojan horse. It's the it's the carriers. It's the carrier in right. Yeah, it's it's the uh, it's the entry level to before you get to the hard stuff. Uh, I mean, I think it's worth and because of all of this, because of everything that we've just said, I think it's extremely important to remember that this is a vector of struggle. That like if you can, you should show up and defend these kids and these events and this community. And thankfully, the, co- the counter protests that have taken place all over Canada, not just in Alberta, have people have shown up and they have shown that these people are uh, and they have shown that the people who are protesting these events are not welcome and that they are marginal. Um, you know, if you are going to do something like that, there are best practices when it comes to counter protesting. I, I know, um, Peter, that, the, that some group recently put out kind of a guide for that. Do you do uh, do you have the, that handy? I do. I do. It's good because like I'm a professional journalist. I'm not a professional activist. Um, and I've, I've had to learn a lot about protest over the past few years, um, especially counter protests. So like my personal philosophy is record everything, like make sure that, um, it doesn't mean publish everything, but if you are at an event, everybody has a camera with them. Everybody can be a witness for what is going on and that can help keep each other safe. Um, recently community solidarity, Ottawa, which is a community activist group that formed over the convoy, I believe, or formed after the convoy involving people who were involved, uh, organizing against it. They put out kind of a great safety planning guide. Um, it's set up beautifully on their website, community solidarity, Ottawa.ca. Um, I don't have any affiliation with this group. I've spoken to them a couple of times. It is just an excellent resource. And one of the most important things to remember is that any action, there are multiple roles that people uh, can take and multiple ways to contribute to the success of that action. And it doesn't matter if it's holding flags and banners on the front line, kind of being like a physical barrier sometimes between the far right or even police aggression and the people you're trying to trying to protect. But it can also be handing out leaflets. It can be making sure everybody has water um, you know, very basic things that can be easy to forget when you're putting together something like this. Yeah, um, we, will, we will link to that in the show notes as well. I think that's we'll make that handy for anyone who wants to see it. And and ultimately, you know, a successful counter protest is a numbers game. If you know, if you outnumber these losers ten to one, fifteen to one, twenty to one, you win. And it, it's a lot easier to win <laughs> when you know you, you show up. Yeah, and. I do think that we are at a particularly kind of like high watermark, so to speak, when it comes to the the counter protests. Like, and this is the time that we should be taking advantage of to to network with individuals, um, to like learn the lessons that you kind of only get from uh, showing up in real life and doing these things, um, and you know, preparing for a time when perhaps support won't be as high or mobilization will be more difficult because. You know, we've seen that in the past and we'll, we'll see it again in the future. Um, but it's it's not to take anything away from the moment that we're having right now and just kind of, you know, how powerful it, it can be. You know, I, I go and I try to document things fairly. I talk to the protesters. I talk to the counter protesters. Um, but, it you know, it is, it's heartening to see so many people coming out in support of others and oftentimes pushing back against blatantly false 
uh, disinformation that that is being spread, you know, it, kind of in real time at these places, and is objectively false if you were to just walk into the library peacefully and take a look at what was going on. Yeah, exactly. So what uh, what's happening? We're recording this Friday afternoon. Like, what's happening in Calgary this weekend? Is there more of these type of events scheduled? Um, so there was, I believe, uh, a drag story event that was postponed, as well as, I think, across from City Hall. I don't have a tremendous amount of details about these, but across from City Hall, I think there is a, um, a protest against bathroom usage by transgender people or accommodation. Um, and there's a counter protest being organized for that. There's also, um, I believe, a drag brunch taking place at the craft beer hall. Um, I don't have a tremendous amount of details about that either. It is an all ages event. I don't believe it's specifically geared towards families. Um, but I know that there was a call I saw online going out for defenders for that as well. Um, I'm not sure what the far right is planning on protesting or where they're focusing this weekend. Um, but yeah, so there, there's always kind of, there's always something it seems like right now. There's always something. Yeah. Uh, in Edmonton, I know uh, that there is a protest planned at the legislature uh, that is against people going topless at city pools, which was just like a story in the news recently. Kind of yeah, another, another moral panic. I'll admit to not knowing as much about that one, other than <laughs> no, that I, I'm kind of broadly pro uh, topless. I guess you could like you could take that statement to the bank where you do have to wear a top. Mm-hmm. Uh, there you go. The, I think it's important though, as we kind of close out our chat that, you know, you do have to draw a line in the sand here. The fascists, the religious far right, Christo nationalists, the actual neo-Nazis, they have been out on the streets and in the halls of power for years now, you know, really since COVID fucked everything up. And it's not like these people are new, uh, you know, the yellow vests, the anti-Islamic, the uh, anti, you know, M103 stuff, you know, they metastasize from one issue to the next, like a cancer cell. They pick up new followers, they discard old ones as they cycle through these issues. And I, I get it, you know, no one necessarily wants to be out on the street in Calgary, Edmonton in February or March, facing off nose to nose, eyeball to eyeball against some of the like... <laughs> worst people in your particular city. But if it's not you, then who? Because, you know, our most vulnerable are under tech, children, queer, trans people, the unhoused. These people are coming for them because they think they can. And it's important that we stand up and fight back. Yeah, so, I couldn't I couldn't agree more, man. I want to thank you for coming on, Peter. Uh, now is the time to plug your pluggables. How can people follow along with your work? Uh, yeah, most of my work is published on antihate.ca. Uh, we also have a Twitter account, antihate.ca. Um, and then my personal Twitter is Mystery Pete. So M I S T E R, the letter E, and then my name, Pete, P E T E. I thought it was very clever when I made it. I don't feel that way anymore. Um, but yeah, DM me, at me. Like, I'm, I'm very happy to talk with anyone. And there is so much going on that. Don't hesitate. If you see a protest, if you see a poster, if you see something going on, take a picture of it, record it, 
get the information you can and send it to us. If, if we've already seen it, then it's no problem. And if we haven't, it might be something that we report on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Canadian Anti-Hate Network does great work. Follow them. Yeah, if you've got tips, send them their way. Um, they're, they're an incredible resource. We're glad to have them. And folks, if you like this podcast, you want to join the 500 or so other folks who help keep this independent media project going, it's very easy. There's a link in the show notes, or you can go to theprogressreport.ca slash patrons, put in your credit card, become a monthly recurring donor. Jim and I would really appreciate it. Also, if you have any notes or thoughts or comments, I am really easy to get a hold of. I am on Twitter at, at Duncan Kinney, and you can reach me by email at duncank at progressalberta.ca. Thank you to Jim Story for the edit. Thank you to Cosmic Family Communist for our theme. Thank you for listening and goodbye.